1: Are you working? What kind
2: of work do you do? Boy, 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 what is it you want to do when you
0: grow up?
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spurs Up show presented by the Armstead Americans. Tom, it's finally game week. That smell is in the air. Uh, South Carolina faces Coastal Carolina at noon on Saturday. SEC Network kicked the opening game of 2018. Uh, We're going to get into all that, preview the Chanticleers, break down the game in its entirety, also talk about the depth chart that was released today and a little bit more news and tidbit to go along with it. But first, if you're not subscribed yet, please be sure to do, do so. The best Gamecocks podcast on the Internet by far. Be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your media, wherever you get your podcast, please be sure to go online and check us out there. Also, please be sure to check us on all of our social media handles as well. Our podcast is on Twitter, at The Spurs Up Show, Armchair South Carolina. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at ArmchairSCar, Facebook, Armchair South Carolina. And, of course, this is a podcast presented to you by the Armchair All-Americans, armchairallamericans.com localizing your sports coverage content. Please be sure to go check us out on armchairallamericans.com for all of your latest breaking game caught news coverage, our podcast, of course. We're also covering things from fantasy to esports to gambling, so please be sure to go check us out all of our exciting content there. With that being said, Tom, I'm not sure if you saw this week South Carolina actually opened as a 29 and a half point favorite over the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers and it had me thinking I don't know, maybe putting some money on the Gamecocks. I'm not normally one to bet on my own team, but the numbers seem kind of enticing. With that being said, I want to segue. We've actually got a sponsor. That's right. The Spurs Up Show, Armchair Americans. We've hit the big leagues with my bookie. You know, like I said, Tom, ever since I've started the podcast, I've always thought to myself, uh, people have been asking me for betting advice, which I think is a really bad thing to do because yeah, I've known, dude. I've, I've tended to lose a good bit of money gambling in my day. Um, but usually people are asking, you know, what team should I bet on this week? You know, the truth is, Tom. I don't know who's going to win but you I think you should know I think you should go check out my bookie to put down your bets. Remember, it's who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me guys, they're their best bet for the season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, their mobile sites easy to use. I would definitely recommend that service to you guys again. Any college football games you want to bet on this weekend, there's a ton. The slate is huge. You got Notre Dame Michigan. We got Auburn Washington. We got Miami and uh, LSU. We got Virginia Tech Florida State. Tons of games. I think Oklahoma FAU might be a good money steal as well if you're looking at the lines right now. They've got in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for your fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over or under how many fantasy points a player is going to score each game. So it's a no-brainer. Go to mybookie.com. Again, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use the promo code SPURS. Not SPURS UP. Use the promo code SPURS, S-P-U-R-S. Uh, when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. Tom, they're actually going to match whatever you put in there. So you put in $100, they are going to give you another 100 to play with. It's as simple as that. Again, you can't beat it up to $1,000 in free play. Again, mybookie.com, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, Tom, again, it's game week, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina on Saturday. It's finally here. I feel like we've just been going on and on in the preseason for for weeks and weeks and months, which we in reality have. Uh, how you doing on this game week? How you feeling as far as we are? We're, we're four days right now as we're recording this on Tuesday night at 28th. Four days away from kickoff. How you feeling?
3: I mean, I'm pumped, bro. Like, there's, I there's—I think there's another way to feel other than just being excited about this game and the seasons here because it feels like we've been in the summer, dog days of summer for like six years now. And now that we have a game week,
1: it's like what else do you want to do with your time? Absolutely, 100%. And today, Will Muschamp actually spoke to the media. The depth, tra- depth chart, the initial depth chart was released. I do want to touch on that a little bit before we get into breaking everything down with Coastal Carolina. Um, I'll ask you first, Tom, anything that stuck out to you from the depth chart, anything maybe that surprised you, that maybe reconfirmed anything you were thinking? Talk about what you saw.
3: I mean, I think the most surprising thing to me was seeing Jemias Williams not being a starter in any position. Obviously, he's going to be a backup at safety and nickel behind um nick harvey at safety and jc Hornet nickel but i just think not seeing him on a starting anywhere was kind of big to me but i don't read too much in depth charts i kind of go by what the coach says and he says that, you know regardless of people are in the depth chart or not there are people who are third string i guess you could call it third string they're still going to play like a rick Sanders. he won't listen to depth chart but i'm sure it but he said in the press conference today that rick and jj and bar are going to have the same amount of snaps almost so you know just, you know, listening to Muschamp to me, obviously, is a big deal. You know, he had, he puts the con- that chart into context. But, I mean, that – and I see, think, no, not not – Shane Hines is gone, you know, the guy that just left the school and didn't – basically got a tryout and decided that once he got told that he wasn't going to be the starter, just to leave. And, I, you know, it's shocking, you know, you bring in a guy over the summer to come try out for a kicking position. He doesn't even make the team at all. But that kind of shocked me. Um. You know Brian as a Palmer Turner starter it was kind of a thing I didn't really expect going into the fall camp. That's something that I didn't really see coming. But other than that, I mean, most of it was pretty, you know, standard stuff. Most of what we expected.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talked about the Shane Hines thing. That's definitely a freezing cold take. I think you and I both had. I know I predicted him to win the starting job, so yeah. way off. Put me on freezing cold takes. But yeah, again, like you're saying, I think you know I don't want to. Dive too deep into the depth chart because, again, it's one we'll must-champ talk today. It's not really about who starts the game, and who finishes the game. And, like, when you talk about a guy like Jamias Williams, again, I'm more so encouraged and impressed that JT Ebay is listed as the starting safety, even when he had short time to get ready. You know, he had the hip injury starting fall camp. He's still a guy that's able to come in because he has experience. He's played on the big stage. He's played some really good football. He's going to be able to come in and start immediately for you. But a guy like Jamias Williams is going to play. Yeah, he's going to play. Fine. I He's going to play a ton. He he may start this game, not start that game. It's really not a big deal, especially in the secondary because those guys shuffle in and out so much, and they're just trying to get their best five, six, seven guys on the field. But, you know, the the biggest thing I take away, Tom, this is something I've been thinking kind of over the last week, week and a half, is I really feel like for the first time since 2013, maybe you could argue 2014, but I'd say 2013 – South Carolina's got some dudes. South Carolina has some dudes. When you take a look at their depth chart, um, you know, South Carolina, unlike Will Muschamp's first year, finally just isn't all freshmen. They did a great job, Will Muschamp has, of developing those guys, getting you some veterans, some veteran leadership, but also sprinkling in, obviously, some big-time freshman talent, you know, a la J.C. Horn, a Josh Van, who is backing up Debo Samuel, who I think is going to have a a pretty good year. He might be in limited action, but I think a guy, again, like I've said before on this podcast, it's going to – that's going to wow some people. That's going to make you go, wow, that kid has some playmaking ability. That kid's explosive. So, um, like you said, I mean, I don't think overall, again, I don't think it's something to dive too, too deep into. I mean, I think, like I said, I think eBay starting at that other safety position was a little surprising to me. I would have probably thought it was Nick Harvey or, like you said, even Jam Williams. Um, But, again, it's pretty impressive that eBay was able to come in that quickly and make that big of an impression when I think he only practiced half of the – half of fall camp. So It wasn't a lot yeah, other than that, I mean, there's not a whole lot to take away from it. Um, like you said, I mean I thought the big news for sure was, you know, Shane Hines, uh you know, Shane Hines not even with the program anymore. I think he's gonna go to Murray State, I think's what they said. Um but either uh, way, yeah.
3: Even- it, um I know. Uh I don't think it's Murray State. But it's some it's some small Division II school in the middle of Michigan. Yeah, I and I wrote day. it
1: down today too, and I can't remember it for some reason. But anyways, him, you know, him just straight up leaving, transferring out, and then obviously the other big news that I'll just touch on really quickly from the the, uh, the press conference today is, you know, no word on Josh Belker, or Jamel Cook, and <laughs> not sure what exactly this the NCAA is doing right now as far as dragging their feet. I mean, Tom's got his theories that the NCAA just hates South Carolina, which yeah, at this point you can't really argue otherwise, but. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, man, you know, will they get their eligibility? Will it come out tomorrow, Thursday, Friday? I mean, who knows? So um, something we'll keep an eye on as well. But, again, it is game week. It's finally here. This week has just got a different feeling to it. There's a different vibe in the air, Tom. We all know that. Again, South Carolina hosts the, the uh, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers Saturday, September 1st. This Saturday at noon, the uh, game's going to be televised on SEC Network. Uh, South Carolina 1-0 all-time versus Coastal. Um, that one meeting fans will probably remember November twenty third, two thousand thirteen. The Gamecocks defeated Coastal Carolina seventy to ten in a Williams Stadium in a game that I was at. In the game that was quickly, quickly over was over by halftime. Um, South Carolina enters this one like you heard me talk earlier. They're a twenty nine and a half point favorite. Over under set at fifty seven. The Chanticleers went three and nine a year ago, just two and six in the Sun Belt. Um, sort of a fall for grace from those guys who used to really run the FCS. Um. Mm-hmm. Chanticleers have seven returning starters on offense, five on defense. Um, So overall 12 starters, I mean, not, not a ton of returning talent, but again, this is a team that went three and nine a year ago. And again, has fallen off of their perch, if you will, um, from where they used to sit in the FCS ranks. They did give Arkansas a scare a year ago, lost by one point in Fayetteville. Um, Granted that Arkansas team wasn't all that great. And we saw what South Carolina did to those guys pretty much dismantled them. But um, you know, Tom. Tom, talk about before we kind of get into our breakdown, just kind of your feelings with this opener. You know, South Carolina seventeen and one in their last eighteen openers. I'm sure that's a stat plenty of Gamecock fans have heard during this week. Um, but seventeen and one, that lone loss coming to Texas Stadium in 2014. This is the first time, actually, I heard this stat, Tom. First time South Carolina is opening on a Saturday against a non Power Five opponent since 2010 when they wow. faced Southern Miss. Um, talk about just kind of your initial your initial feelings going into this game
3: i mean i feel confident you know this is a team that you should take care of easily and it should never be a close game maybe except the first quarter but i don't have any you know i don't have any real big concerns they were three and nine last year you know obviously they have a head coach coming back that was had to take last shot because of her health concerns but i don't think he'll, he's gonna make a big of a difference there unless they just have recruited some guys i don't know of and just making big impacts that, with freshmen. But I think Carolina handles them easily. It's just my raw opinion. I haven't really scouted a coach so much. But there are obviously a lot of the things in the game could go wrong with Carolina, but I don't think it does. I think it's probably something that's going to be 17-7 going in a half and and probably in, at the, end of half, probably in the third quarter it would be like 20-something to seven. I think, I think Carolina is just too strong at this point. It's not going to be a, re- a retake of the Citadel.
1: Yeah, no, I. It's so funny to hear people, you know, talk about that. I went on the radio last week, humble brag, and and uh, had had they asked me basically about that Citadel game. And th- this is just a completely different South Carolina team than that team was in 2015. I mean, that team was falling apart; the wheels yeah. had pretty much fallen off at that point. Um, and, and plus, South Carolina. Go at ahead.
3: The, plus, at the time, the Citadel was like one of the top five or six FCS schools in the country, and the way that South Carolina was playing kind of wasn't shocking when you really look at it right. that they lost that game.
1: Right. I mean there was no reason for Citadel to not believe they could win that game like you said is what right. even again maybe it wasn't against the best competition or the competition South Carolina was facing but I mean Citadel was winning and South Carolina was losing and I mean I think it's just from a mental standpoint Citadel expected to win that game and I think South Carolina might have I mean I don't know if they really expected to win that football game but anyways I don't that is not a scenario like that this year South Carolina like you mentioned I think is the vastly superior superiorly talented more talented team to coastal i mean yeah. it's just top to bottom they have more talented players you mentioned the return of joe moglia their head coach uh he missed all of 2017 due to health concerns um you know tom talking about some of the biggest storylines coming this game for me you know obviously one of the biggest storylines is going to be the up-tempo offense making its debut we've heard all off season. brian mcclennan obviously gets the job gets promoted um during the offseason, Dan Werner gets hired as well. Jake Bentley talked today to the media, said that, you know, the offense is 100% in, everything's installed. You know, one of the bigger storylines in this game to me is just how that up-tempo offense does. I mean, I you know, I'm not sure how much South Carolina is going to show. I mean, with Georgia looming week two, obviously that's not going to be something they, they're they going to think about, but it's something we can definitely think about as, um, as fans and observers. And But, you know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, that, that offense, you know, normally in an opener like this, Normally in an opener like this, this wasn't wouldn't be, there wouldn't be many storylines going into a game like this. I mean, you just kind of go in, handle your business, be done with it. But you know, again, it's going to be interesting. How does the offense look? I mean, you know, how are you, how do you run the offense? How how much how true are you to the tempo? The things that you've said in the off season? So I I think it's going to be a big deal. I'm very very excited and intrigued to see what this offense does Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, I am too. I think that they're not going to show much, obviously, because you have Georgia coming in week two. I don't think they, I don't think they go much more than anything basic. I think that you're probably going to end up seeing Scarnecchia play some in the fourth quarter, just in you know, just to get him some experience. But I just think that you know, I, it's not a game I'm concerned about, like at all. I just, and it's honestly, I just don't mm-hmm. think that there's any reason to be worried about this game at all. I'm, like, and but I mean, I just there are some people you want to see in this game, obviously play, but. I just think it's it's such an easy opener game. Like, if we lose, it's going to come back and bite. That's going to be a freezing cold take. But I just don't think there's much concern here.
1: No, absolutely. And you, you kind of mentioned it and brought me to my next point, kind of my other biggest storyline of this game, you could say, just sort of the new faces we're going to see not only, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I'd say replacing Scott Moore, other guys like that at corner in the secondary, but also just the influx of young players that are going to get action on Saturday. I mean, I, I think you've made a great point. This is a game South Carolina should win handily. I don't think this, this should not be a close game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the amount of young guys they get out there with the new red shirt rule that we've all talked about in the off season. Cause guys can get up to play up to four games and still get their red shirt. So how many youngsters will we see? Will we see, you know, a Josh van get multiple catches Will we see a guy like to carry on joiner, get his first collegiate action. I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting. will South Carolina be able to maybe get some young, uh, young guys on the line of scrimmage, I think would be really beneficial for the game Cox to sort of develop some of those guys. So if they're able, you know, how are they able to get those youngsters in? And for me as well, how do those youngsters react? Those freshmen react? Even, you know, a guy like J.C. Horn is talented as he is. How does he react when he plays in front of 80,000, 85,000 people yelling and screaming first time ever? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys do as well. Um, but I think South Carolina right now, again, has a good mix of veterans along with young guys as well. But it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, moving into the key matchups, I'll let you start, Tom. What, you know, for the Gamecocks to win this football game, what's going to be your key matchup you're going to be watching for uh, during the game?
3: I mean, obviously, you have to look at our line of scrimmage against theirs when it comes to defense and offense, because I want to see a difference when it comes to how much push can the offensive line get and open up the run game for Rico on A.J. Turner, Tyson Williams, because last year, you didn't see that a whole lot. You know, there were holes, but they were small, and they closed quick, you know, but I think this year, the offensive line is going to be improved to me. I think they'll handle Coastal's defense line pretty easily, but... You know, When it comes to the defense line, I want to see, can they establish a pass rush? Because if you you can't establish a pass rush against Coastal with four guys, there's no way you're going to do it against Georgia. And I think that's going to be a big, helpful sign for a lot of people is whether or not South Carolina can get a pass rush against Coastal early and go ahead and get them down fast and get a bunch of three and outs.
1: Yeah, no, you make a great point. I mean, that's something that they've talked about a ton in the offseason that South Carolina feels – They've got their best offensive line they've had in a while. I mean, you move Zach Bailey inside, you've got Bailey, Donnell, Stanley, Sedarius Hutchison, all three of those guys on the inside. Should get a really good push on the interior. Um, And they've got some talented guys on the defensive line. Obviously, depth has been their concern, but you got to go do it. I mean, we've heard, again, all offseason how good that O-line should be. you got to go do it against a team like Coastal Carolina. And I don't want to jump ahead, Tom, to your – to your, uh, your key to the game, but I mean you you gotta establish the run. I mean, you you gotta be able to get a push. You're again, you're a team going against Coastal Carolina, you're more talented than them. You've got bigger, stronger, faster athletes than them. You gotta prove it and show it on the field, not just let it be uh let it be off season talk. So I, I agree with you hundred percent. My key matchup of the game, you know, it's a pretty interesting one. You know, Coastal Carolina does like to run type a, a spread type offense. They like to throw it around the yard a little bit when they can. Uh my key match is going to be defensive back Rashad Fenton against wide receiver Malcolm Williams. Malcolm Williams, the uh the top returning target for Coastal Carolina. I'd really say the top returning player for the Sean Clears. Um stats from a year ago. He had he played in 14 games, had eighty-six catches. Um actually, no, that's yeah. his rushing stats. Let me get his stats here. Here we go. Had 43 catches for 793 yards, uh, for seven touchdowns. Averaged 18.4 yards per per reception. So a guy that can definitely make some plays when he gets the ball in his hands. Obviously pretty explosive. You have an 18 yard per catch yeah, per catch mark touchdowns. there. And he, yeah, and he's going to be the guy they're they're going to try to go to more often than not. I mean, he is their number one target. I'm not sure really other guys they have that are um, big time guys other than him, but he's going to be their guy. They're going to look to. And how does Rashad Fenton, a guy that you know? is considered a, you know, I I say South Carolina's best cornerback uh, and a guy that I think was maybe a little bit disrespected on the All-SEC teams, maybe even All-American teams. I think a guy that was absolutely shut down the first eight games of the year a year ago. I mean, you had Fenton Island going on and stuff like that. How does he come out in his first game? Is he able to establish himself in the cornerback, be physical, lock down Malcolm Williams and, you know, really make it hard for Coastal Carolina? Because I think if they're able to shut Malcolm Williams down, it's going to be really, really tough for for Coastal Carolina to get – really anything going against this south kind of defense i mean i know south Carolina may be a little bit young on defense and they're not obviously they're not going to be as good in game one as they're going to be in game 10 11 12 but this south Carolina defense is good enough and i think has enough talented athletes where they're really going to be able to limit coastal carolina and what they're going to what they want to do um moving into the keys of the game you know simple simple for me tom my key to the game just don't look ahead um i i will say i think that's something that this, this Coaching staff and Will Muschamp, this team has done a great job of is not looking ahead, really focusing on the task at hand. Um, you know, when they were talking in summer, all they wanted to talk about was fall camp. We got to have a great fall camp. We got to have a great camp. We got to do what we need to do, work on South Carolina. All during fall camps, and we're focusing on Coastal Carolina, we're focusing on the Chanticleers. There's been no talk about Georgia. The great thing about us, again, is we can look ahead. It doesn't really matter. But for this team, the big thing for them is do not look ahead. Stay in the moment. Go out, go out there, and take care of your business. I mean, again, Coastal Carolina; these players know it. We know it. It's a team they should beat. It's a team they should have no trouble beating. But you got to go out there and do it. And you can't take any opponent opponent lightly. And I think again, the good thing for the South Carolina and Gamecock fans is that Will Muschamp, being at the helm, being the guy leading the charge. He's not going to let his teams do that. He's not going to let his team look ahead. I think they'll be focused on taking care of the task at hand. So um, that's going to be my biggest key. Tom, what's yours?
3: Uh, mine would be to establish the run early and get up fast. Something that South Carolina really didn't do at all last year was establish the run at all. I mean, establish it well, I would say, because they did try to run the ball a lot last year, just didn't work out. But I think that if they can start, they can gash Coastal for 10 and 15 yards of pop to start with, get up 14 nothing in the first quarter and just break their neck. I think that's going to be the biggest key, you know, when you can't – obviously, like you said, you can't overlook teams. That's how you get beat. I think that if they really establish the run and let Jake Miller get the deep ball out with Brian mcclendon calling plays and not Kurt Roper, I think that, you know, you get up early, the way you can just kind of coast the rest of the game and not show anything, not have to, you know, expend to come to your best plays. And I just think that's the biggest key there.
1: Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I think, again, getting off to a fast start, that's just something South Carolina yeah. – has not has not done very well, it seems like, of late. I mean, we talked about – I hate to even bring the game up again, but we talked about in the pre-show kind of Louisiana Tech, what happened a year ago, and you just got to get off to a quick start. And, again, that kind of goes back to what this new offense is going to do with the up-tempo offense. I think South Carolina's defense is going is to play well Saturday. I, I just – I don't have any concerns that South is not going to be able to stop Coastal Carolina. It's just can this offense go out there again, like you're saying, Tom, really establish yourself. Uh, whip the man in front of you, you know, take control of the football game. Because to me, again, we know Jake Bentley can throw the football. I'm not too concerned with – I don't need to see Jake Bentley throw for 400 yards. I would more so love to see this offensive line get a push and South Carolina rush for 200-plus. That, that would – to me, I would leave this game feeling the best about South Carolina going into that big week two matchup if they can run the football pretty much at will. I mean, that, that to me – that's going to make me feel the best – um, as a fan. So, you know, I want to move into it, Tom. I'm going to put you on the spot. We're going to do this, obviously, every single week, talking about these games. Give me your prediction. What happens on Saturday?
3: Uh, I think that they come out, and they're probably up 21-7 at halftime, and then don't let the Coastal score the rest of the game. I just think that South Carolina is too talented. It's not going to be a remake of Coastal in 2014 or t- 2015, my bad. But I just think they're too good. South Carolina is too good. I think they'll overpower Coastal. I'm going to go 35-7 Carolina.
1: Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of similar with you. I, I mean, I think South Carolina probably halftime score. You're looking at, I don't know, 28 to three, or no, excuse me, 21 to three, 24 to three, stuff like that, or something like that. I think South Carolina wins the game overall 38 to 10. I do not think they cover the 29.5 or any of those, any of you guys that went to mybookie.com and want to put some money on the game. I, I'm one, I don't believe in betting on your own team. I don't bet on my own team, but. I just, I don't know. I think the number is kind of big, Tom. 29 and a half is a lot. Unless, I think if South Carolina can pitch the shutout, I think they will cover the spread. But overall, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't think South Carolina is going to be out there trying to score 50 points in the first game. I mean, as much fun as it'd be to watch, I think they're going to get a lead. They're going to get into the third quarter. The game's going to be sort of in hand. They're going to get some young guys in there to play. And, you know, South Carolina's still going to cruise to an easy victory, but I don't think it's going to be some 56 to seven or 80, 70 to Definitely 10 not. like we saw. It's not going to be some 70-10 to 10 game like we saw in 2013. I just yeah. don't expect that. But I think the Gamecocks get the win, 38-10, to 10, pretty comfortably start the season 1-0. The Gamecock faithful leave williams Bryce Stadium happy and um, get ready for that Week 2 matchup against Georgia. So, you know, pretty much going to wrap it up. I mean, again, we kind of ran through that pretty quickly. But, Tom, anything we may have missed, I mean, overall thoughts as far as Coastal Carolina, um, anything we may have missed. I know, you know, obviously our – our previews will be a little more in-depth as we get into, again, like SEC place and the bigger opponents. Not much on Coastal Carolina, like Tom said. Not a whole lot of film on those guys. Obviously, nobody's played a game yet. But, um, again, I just think this is a game. Coastal Carolina, they went three and nine a year ago. What you see is what you get with these guys. And South Carolina just needs to go out there Saturday and impose their will. I mean, yeah, that that's I just agree. kind of the bottom line to me.
3: I mean, I, th- I feel the same way. I think they just need to come out and get up early and basically put their foot in the throat. Just it's what's going to have to happen. I don't think that this needs a big game anybody should be worried about or it should cause any worry at all. I you have to because if you don't do that and you have a game where it's close going into the fourth quarter and then you finally pull away, then you're going to have less confidence going into Georgia. I think if you come in beat Coastal down early, that's how you're going to have a good you know good mojo going into the Georgia game.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, a hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Uh, I, I think it should be again a fun day for Gamecock fans and. Should be a game that's never in doubt. It's funny. I've seen so many people like on, you know, obviously we're on social media. I've seen so many people on social media, though, and uh, through different outlets that are, like you said, just kind of worried about this game. That's fine. Everybody has their own. You you can have your own feelings on this football game, but this is not a game South Carolina should be worried about. This is a game that South Carolina should be worrying about working on itself, getting better itself getting reps again for the offense how does the tempo work kind of feeling itself out because obviously you know what we all know what looms week two but i just don't see a scenario where this is a game where coastal carolina is able to hang with south carolina yeah, um so that's going to wrap up the preview portion anything tom we may have missed i don't think there's any recruiting news right now except than, for, uh, not really
3: other than jacques Sorel's delayed his announcement basically because of alabama is like kind of warm offered him like Basically, if they don't have some guys commit, they'll offer Sorrells and he can be a part of their class. So he's backed off of making a commitment date. But South Carolina's obviously still in good standing if, you know, if Alabama doesn't offer him. but And then, obviously, when, here's another thing. They added a spot in the 2019 class because Shane Hines not enrolling in class. So his good scholarship didn't, didn't count against the 2019 class. So they have, like, 23 spots now, I think, instead of 22, something like that. They have about four more spots. They have another spot open.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's a great point you make about the 2019 class. I didn't even think about that with Shane Hines, but yeah, that should should make an impact as well for sure. Again, it's crazy to think that Hines came as a grad transfer then left, but you know, you just kind of never know in this situation. But again, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for us. Also, before we go, battle armor video dropped literally as we were pressed record on this podcast, South Carolina going with Garnet, Garnet white, but the Garnet helmets have the black Carolina script, Tom. Give me your thoughts. What do you think about the unis?
3: Uh I like it. I wish they would have gone like all garnet, like you've been saying. And I just I just I don't know. I I'm kind of eh on it. I like it, but I w- if they do stuff to the field with the script logo, I'll be more excited. But if not, then I'm just like it's kind of like a just a one game thing. I'll be like, well, it was cool for like a day and then now I'm over
0: it.
1: Yeah, I, like I told you before, Tom, I, I don't want to get absolutely crucified on Gamecock Twitter, but if you want to do so, I'm at philly 19 for my personal account if you want to come at me. But I was expecting a little bit more, I think just because of some of the mock jerseys and helmets we had seen on social media. But overall, it looks really sleek. Obviously, the helmet looks really, really good. Nobody's going to deny that. But like I told you, Tom, if you're going to go garnet, garnet, go with the garnet pants. I just don't understand why South Carolina? I mean, you, here's what I don't get, Tom, and this might be even more of a hotter topic than previewing the Costa Carolina game. You wear them in pictures all the time. You're on yeah. the poster in All Garnet. Why can't you wear All Garnet in an actual game? Maybe I just are
3: it for a big game, bro. You never know.
1: It it just, I don't know. I can't plug two and two together. But overall, I'm, again, I'm not going to complain. The unis look great. The garnet, the uh, the Caruana script looks awesome. I'll have my Carolina script on. They're obviously encouraging everyone to wear it. I'll have my Carona script polo with my uh, with my Carolina script visor as well. I'm gonna be decked out. I mean, I'm gonna be ready to go, like I always am. But um, yeah, I mean, it should be a lot of fun. Again, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina, noon kickoff. Football season is finally back. The podcasts are obviously gonna be starting to be, get a lot more fun and a lot more juicy as we get kicked off and have some real football to talk about. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this portion. We have a really, really special interview with Langston Moore, um sideline reporter for South Carolina for those, you know, pretty much everyone listening probably knows he played defensive tackle for the Gamecocks from 1999 to 2002, was also in the NFL from 03 to 08. Again, is the sideline reporter for the Gamecocks has been since 2012, uh, also also the co-author with Preston Thorne who was a Gamecocks captain on the 2014 team, uh, co-author of the Just a Chicken children's book. So Please be sure to enjoy this interview. Before we get to that interview, it's an interview brought to you again by our friends over at MyBookie. Again, all the all the big time college football games this weekend, Tom, I would only recommend a service to my, to our listeners that's been good to me. Obviously, I don't want you to go to some other trash gambling website, lose all your money, and then we lose we lose your subscription to the Spurs Up show because you're going to blame me for the website. That's not going to happen with MyBookie. That's why I'm urging you to make your way there. You win, they pay. They've actually got in-game live betting most rewarding player perks in the business. And again, for you fantasy guys, it's crazy to me because I'm actually about to have my fantasy football draft. You can even bet the over under how many fantasy points a player is going to score each game. Absolutely. I've never heard of something like that. Uh, Join now. My book is going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code SPURS. That's S-P-U-R-S to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's going to be M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use the promo code SPURS when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. Enjoy this interview with Langston Moore. We will catch you guys next week to recap Coastal Carolina game and preview the Georgia Bulldogs. (laughs) Joining us on the Spurs Up show today is a very special guest of ours. I want to introduce really quickly, if you know Gamecock football, follow along with Gamecock football. Uh, There's a good chance you know who he is. Former Gamecocks defensive tackle, played with the Gamecocks from 1999 to 2002. Uh, Had a quick stop in the NFL from 2003 to 2008, played in Cincinnati, Arizona, and Detroit. Uh, Is also the Gamecocks sideline reporter since 2012 and also the co-author of the Just a Chicken series, book series. Um, pleasure to have on Langston Moore on the show. Langston, appreciate you taking out the time. Yeah, thanks
2: for having me, man. I appreciate it, man. What better thing to be talking about than football right now.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Like you said, we were talking about pre-show a little bit. It's game week. It's finally here. Every, you know, the thing on everybody's mind, obviously, Coastal Carolina, the Gamecocks finally get kicked off their 2018 season on Saturday. But want to talk a little bit about you first off. I want to get to the season, obviously, and everything with that. But want to talk about with you – Kind of your playing career a little bit, obviously what you're doing outside of football as well. But you know, going back to your playing days, obviously you played for the Gamecocks had a really su- successful career from '99 to '02. Um, you know, when you first started, obviously your freshman year '99, you guys you were on an O and eleven team, uh, and then went on from that to win two Outback Bowls. Um, you know, and obviously you've seen, you know, being South Carolina sideline reporter, the success they had under Steve Spurrier, three straight 11 win years, kind of to where they are today with what Will Muschamp was able to do a year ago, beating Michigan in the Outback Bowl. Um, talk about what it's been like to kind of see South Carolina go from when you were a freshman, you guys going to 0-11 to where they are and where they have been since, uh, since your playing days.
2: Man, um, well, it's, it's grown leaps and bounds from obviously from facility stand wise to. Um, just the brand and the marketing to, you know, the, the big board in the stadium. It's crazy when I look and think um, of, of you know, williams Brown When you look at pictures now and the aesthetic and how much it's changed just from in um, uh, the board, uh, you know, you think about Eric Hyman and his influence and the artwork and, and everything on the inside that comes from Steve Spurrier. So there's a whole litany of people that have changed in South Carolina, especially with football the last few years. So for, you know, in 1999, Um, you know obviously Lou Holtz being kind of the guy who was trying to change and and be the genesis of this change especially with the culture and identity about what was possible Um, that's a lot of things what they sold us on or (laughs) we thought we were getting sold on Uh, but at the end it was all about coming in and working our tails off and trying to be good uh, trying to be better than we were the day before and then changing the culture and just doing the little things and then with that you know, uh, you hope to raise the bar and start influencing and trying to find the same right minded people that want to come in there. And hopefully, those right minded people have some talent. And uh, we were able to get a lot of good guys in there, you know, like to the, the Travel Wardens, the the other guys who, who, I mean, the Corey Boards, I mean, just tremendous. So many players that, you know, you forget that ultimately led to another game or led to somebody else coming in. Then you fast forwarded to uh, Steve Spurrier. And I think definitely. Um, you know, without Lou Holtz that, you know, Steve Spurrier and the possibility that something like South Carolina was an attractive place to be um, something that would eventually lead some somebody like a Will Muschamp to come in here and see that, you know, I don't have to go off to and, and try to wait and try to pursue, you know, maybe a, a job that has a tri- traditional trappings that, you know, you would think something that's really special and has an opportunity. That's that hidden gem in there. So, you know, the whole thing across the whole game at the last, you know, years that I've been a Gamecock from a college guy all the way up to now doing the sideline stuff, you know, the the obvious improvement is, you know, what is possible, you know, what, what, what we scope of what we think we can do as far as, you know, being the national champion and trying to figure out ways to be dominant because um, we know we win the SEC, that's pretty much the the, the front door interest to getting into, um, you know, the national championship race. And, and and I think the biggest thing is that through all these three coaches, especially with these guys, that they've all brought something different. Uh, you know, Lou Holtz with that, that, the mindset of what could be spurry about the possibility of really pushing in their offensive identity and playing on the big stage and playing those big games, the Alabamas and and, and so forth. Uh, but will much jam, but coupling that with Ram I think all that put together is going to really give us something special here in the next few years, and Will Muschamp is going to be the guy I think to really put us in that position.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you. You talked a little bit about Coach Holtz, obviously. You know Steve Spurrier, obviously a coaching legend, Hall of Famer. Again, you played for a legend yourself, and Lou Holtz. Talk about what it was like to play for him, and where do you think he ranks among the all-time great head coaches in college football?
2: I think he's number one. I mean, it's you know, it's it's kind of (laughs) it's kind of like asking. Um, you know, is your dad the best dad in the world? And you're like, absolutely, that's my <laughs> old man. You know, I you know all the things, all the crazy stuff, and you know, your dad doesn't do that type of stuff. And and I being in the NFL, um, you know, there was kind of a a, a kind of like a frat fraternity of guys, even though Notre Dame, South Carolina, or somebody from the Arkansas, not too many and Lou coach guys in Arkansas, but coached or something something like that. You know, it was all kind of the same thing. Uh, the same, you know, mantra with Lou, with Lou that he would give me, the trust, care, commitment, all of those things. And, you know, my buddies and I, we always say, you know, the older we get, uh, the smarter Lou Holtz gets, you know. But, I, you know, if you ask me these questions, if I was 17, 18, I'd be like, man, I hate it. You know, I want to get up out of here. It's too tough for me. But the tough and the hard and the strain and the adversity um, made me a better person, made me a better player. But ultimately, all of those things, you know, just pushed me to be the best that I could be. And I think, again, this is what Will Muschamp does. Uh, and I think that's, you know, obviously what was missing from Steve Spurrier's kind of ring because Steve is Steve. Is Steve Steve is a genius. Steve does a whole uh, bunch of things. And, and again, if the supporting cast wasn't around, Coach Spurrier, certain things would just miss. And and, and I've seen that with, you know, guys in the NFL who try to coach certain guys. Uh, mean Joe Green, they just don't understand, you know, their own greatness. They can't, you know, teach somebody else their own greatness because they can't understand it themselves. But I think Muschamp and everybody, you know, it, it's really going to be, uh exciting to see all those things but coach holtz was a was a phenomenal guy and we always say it's like having a fortune 500 um leader speaker coach mentor work with you every day and i just wish i i recorded every one of those team meetings even if it was me getting chewed out chew, chewed out or yelled at <laughs> uh, because it was great those those things are invaluable
1: that's awesome yeah i want to go back to and that's awesome to hear about coach holtz obviously but i want to go back to those teams you know The ninety nine, obviously, again, you guys went zero and eleven. Two thousand, if I I think I remember, I read you guys were picked to finish dead last, and kind of no surprise there. Probably, um, you guys, yeah, yeah, broke broke the uh, broke the losing streak. The first game against New Mexico State, then have the huge upset against Georgia week two. Just kind of talk about how did you guys, and you know, it was probably, I am sure it was, you know, the mindset that Lou Holtz brought in there to you guys, but. I mean just talk about rebounding from going 0 and 11, 1 and 21 in the last 22 games and you know winning an outback. Well I mean I'm sure that had to be that took a lot of uh, it really showed I think the character obviously you guys team to you know come over that come over that mentally because I'm sure that that was something that was daunting all offseason hanging over you guys. Just talk about sort of what those 2000 2001 teams had and how you guys were able to overcome such a losing streak mentally to you know give South Carolina two of the best teams I think in school history.
2: Um you know, I, I think the biggest thing was just between the years. Uh, being healthy, too, helped a good bit, too. Having some guys that came in, um, players that panned out, young guys. Um, but, you know, just the you know the way of find, finding ways to win football games and following the plan. You always hear Coach Holtz and always these Coach Holtz, Coach team, they always talk about the plan is infallible. Charlie, Charlie Strong talks about it all the time. You know, if you do certain things, fundamental, no penalties, don't beat yourself, turn over special teams, you know, I can still rattle it off in my brain. Um the, And the seven points of emphasis that I mean like the seven deadly sins when first down third down all those different things. If you follow that you start to see that now our first year we saw certain instances of that. But when you're 18 years old and you getting your, your your teeth kicked in by, you know, Alex Brown and those those folks down there in Florida, you don't care about first down percentages and you know whether you know the amount of kickoff returns we had inside the 20 versus where we started on our offense outside the 20 and how that all relates. you don't you just want to win, you know, but the, just like with anything in life and and that's the the thing about college football and being so synonymous is just about being a professional and learning and this is where the college is where we come to do that. you know I learned how to do those things and i, I you know at the at, you know I hate that it had to be that we lost every game, but then that turn in that twenty two thousand two thousand one season, we saw how all of that was really true, and then we coupled that with some talent and a lot of enthusiasm, you know, and then the momentum and the confidence just kind of grew there and You talk about a confidence builder that had that week two matchup. Uh, Georgia coming to South Carolina, Quincy Carter, all the hype. Um, you know, my man Dennis Quinn getting a whole bunch of interceptions, Andre Goodman, uh, just uh, it was a whole team effort, a whole team game. And that was, again, the confidence building and, and not saying, uh, I mean, obviously this 2018 Gamecock team is, is heads and tails talented and, and has so much more than we ever could in our 2000 year. But I think getting an early win in week two, I think there's something special for Gamecock folks and for this team and, and around this program. We really love to play Georgia, play them at home midday, and that really propels us and gets us going really into the season and possibly might be one of the special seasons in uh, Gamecock history here.
1: Yeah, no, I agree 100% with you. and was going to say I 100% agree that, you know, Georgia sort of, when it's in that week two slot just sort of sets the tone for the year, and I think this year is going to be no different, honestly. Uh, moving to 2018, we started talking about a little bit um. Obviously, Will Muschamp, the program he inherited, South Carolina went three and nine in 2015. He's won six games in 2016. Improved, in, you know, nine overall wins and an Outback Bowl win over Michigan in 2017. South Carolina has been kind of a trendy pick, if you will, this season. There's a lot of hype, a lot of buzz. I'd say the most, the most hype around the season since 2014, if you will. Just talk about how impressed have you been with the job Will Muschamp has done, you know, taking over a program that was three and nine, that was a little down and out in what he's done and in, in going into his third overall season.
2: Well, obviously, the big thing is recruiting, Um, getting getting a lot of guys excited, getting a lot of young guys to come in here, but picking the right guys and hitting on a lot of these guys. You know, we put a lot of effort in the jam. We put a lot of effort into guys like DJ, and of recruiting, recruiting these guys and coming in there. And obviously, they playing and playing at a young age. Uh, But that couple you couple that. Um, that's not just not recruiting. You got That's, you know, having God given ability, but then we got to come in here and give the kids the skills. And that's where, again, coach Muschamp has put it a, to a, a, a roster of coaches and teachers in the forms of, you know, Lance Thompson and all these great guys that teach these young guys and to know how to speak the language to these young guys, to get them to care enough about what they're doing every day in practice uh, and get that buy-in. And I think that's been phenomenal things. And one of the most un. un undiscussed things that we've talked about is how will Muschamp has really found ways to overhaul his roster with young guys, but also has lived in that kind of gray area, which is a legal area of the NCAA that graduate, which is really brilliant when you think about it, because that's mm-hmm. kind of somewhat the small free agency market of um, college football. So then you find a guy who knows it's his last chance. He's already graduated. He's mature. Obviously he, he's trying to cherry pick and pick. So it can be a free agency deal where we both try to see, who's what. And if there is some type of relationship in there, I think that makes it a lot easier. And I think Will Muschamp has done a great job of just using not only junior college transfers, but also figuring out ways with that grad transfer deal to really overhaul this, uh, this roster. So it's, it, it's really exciting to see, you know, how all of this stuff is coming together, but the biggest thing I, and you see this with the guys in the work ethic, the, the, the message across the board with all of the players, you know, everybody, is not just, you know, these guys are robots. I think it's really, you know, made up to be a really special group. And and I think Coach Muschamp has done a really good job of protecting that, but letting these guys kind of develop the culture and let the leaders be the leader within within this group.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You make some great points about it, especially the, uh, the grad transfer thing, because we're seeing it right now. I mean, the, the depth chart released today. JT Ebay and Nick Harvey, you know, JT Ebay starting at one of the safety positions. Obviously, Nick Harvey is going to be expected to make a really, really big impact, a the guy they're high on. So, yeah, I mean, you can see it right now in the Gamecocks roster, and they're too deep, uh, making an em- immediate impact at a position that's obviously been a position of concern for Will Muschamp in the preseason. So, and I think those guys are going to play a lot and have a big impact in 2018. Uh, before we dive into Coastal, obviously, because it is game week, I want to kind of get your overall feel about, this 2018 team, you know, you're a guy links and you're obviously really, really close to the program. You know, you were at the spring game. I know you're, uh, you know, again, really close to the program. Just talk about kind of your overall impressions of this year's team and what South Carolina is going to need to do to be able to build on last year's nine win season.
2: Well, uh, obviously they got to carry over some of the things that really made them, you know, um, winners last year they they found ways to win games on the road they they hit kicks they 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 settled in on the kicker um you know obviously coupled and used field position and and one football game is kind of the old not so sexy way uh obviously have to make sure that we do a lot with turnovers i think last year we were around that 28 number which was pretty good in the sec it was it was really good uh, i think we're only behind alabama in, in that mark um but we got to get into the upper echelon of that deal and hit that 35 to 40 range if possible. I know that's an ambitious number, yeah. but doing the things we need to do, especially getting into that 10-11 win range uh and getting some momentum, I think that'll help me give this defense some one of those things. And this is something that, you know, we just it's not lip service for this team. They they work it, they preach it. You hear T and mm-hmm. these guys talk about it all the time. The 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 Bible association, you know, you know, you don't read your Bible every day. We talk about turnovers every day, all those different things. So um turnovers are gonna have to be key. Offensive production uh, but making making sure it's not just going to be, I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk about, you know, the pace of the, of the offense and what we're going to get. And I know Jay Bentley has to have good games and, and the big games and those big situations, but it's going to be making sure we can really get the, the yards per rushing average that we need to. And I think really moving Zach Bailey back inside, moving a guy like Donnell Staley in there and really kind of having that three points of that kind of tip of the spear deal and being able to get those tough inside yards and letting our running backs do some things after that, you know, after the offensive line captures that two or two and a half yardage, that first kind of step and a half that you, you know, you hope to gain on those short yardage plays or all those running plays. Um, that's going to be the biggest thing. So, you know, talking about this 2018, um, the things that they have to carry over, obviously, I think we, we're we going to have to figure out some different ways to stay healthy because, you know, we're not so deep on the defensive line. We're going to have to play with a lot of leads, I would say. But that, that bodes well to what we're talking about doing offensively. Um, Just the only scary part is when you get into a low on some of those, you know, quick pace type of offenses where you're trying to get a bunch of plays off in, in a certain amount of time where, you know, if it comes to be, you know, three and out, three and out, three and out and we have a lack of depth on the defensive line or in certain spots, you know, how vulnerable are we going to be? But I think, again, Coach Muschamp and his, all, and his defensive staff, this whole entire team, the entire coaching staff, are really cognizant of their, of their own weaknesses, and they try to do the best they can you I mean you know even to the point where they're complaining about the heat not having enough tough days outside for their players because you know guys are are, are not getting getting what they're going to be seeing during the during the uh football season but you know again you can you, as a coach I I think you, you you can't plan for everything but you know the method for to to us really winning this year is really going to be the same things that got us last year uh making sure we figure out ways to run football run the football get turnovers get to the quarterback with a little bit more frequency uh and figure out ways for Jake to get hot and maybe at times you know, do the things that we know he can do with those big plays to, to Rico and and to D. The big wide receivers that we have.
1: Yeah, you make some great points there, and I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, I think with the uh, the run game is going to be a big big key to this 2018 team. I think South Carolina's got to run the football better than they did a year ago, and they've all talked about that in the preseason. And I think they will run the ball better. You mentioned Zach Bailey moving inside. and I mean, I think South Carolina's got one of the best offensive lines they've had in a while. Obviously, you're a defensive guy. You played on the defensive line, and you talked about it a little bit. I- I'll say that, that the uh, the thing I- I've heard the most from people is they wonder how South Carolina is going to be able to balance an up-tempo offense, but also be able to you know, not put their defense in bad situations as far as depth is concerned. How tough is it for – obviously, again, you're around these guys. You-, you know offense being a defensive guy. How tough is it for a defen- de- defense to – you know, defend the up-tempo scheme when it's working. I mean, obviously it's the, – the, the whole reason it's put in place is to keep the defense off balance. Talk about what, you know, what the defense has to do in that situation to, uh, you know, to, to stop it.
2: Man, it can be like a twilight zone, man. I, I mean, I, I... – the, the, all the, res, the respect and why I was so happy when Steve Spurrier got here was obviously I was a part of that blackout game when, you know, uh, Grossman and all those folks <laughs> came up here and just sliced right. us up. And, I mean, that wasn't even up-tempo. That was just guys just hitting on all cylinders. But that's what you try to do when you get into those up-tempo matchups is that you try to find the weak link, you exploit it and you exploit it and you exploit it. Then you make an adjustment. Okay. Then we'll exploit the next guy. And we just do that up and down uh, until the clock runs out or you figure out ways to stop us. Uh, so hopefully we have that, 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 problem for us this year at South Carolina, but for our defense, you know, the biggest thing is just really getting back to stopping people on first down because, you know, regardless of, you know, the tempo or or somebody like a old miss who wants to get out there and do some different things spread wise and get you going, as long as you stop them on first down and really give them a chance to really, you know, look back to the sidelines, you can get your composure. Uh, the coaches again understand this and I think they've done a good job of inserting younger guys, different guys, a different mix of guys because you never know the eclectic mix that might be out there. It might be a situation where it's, uh, you know, r- r- the young kid Resendio Lewis out there calling some plays mm-hmm. possibly because somebody might be having – T.J. Brunson might be having cramps or something. Who knows? Uh, Sherrod Green might have to do it. But, so I think they intermix and put, you know, second-string guys, first-string guys. But one of the things I think is really – came out today, you know, seeing some guys like Jam – uh, Jemias Williams, who's on the second-string depth chart, which really – there's no indicator of his ability and this talent level. I think it's just figuring out a way to try to spread your talent out a little bit and putting a younger guy uh, and you couple him with maybe like a Shamik Blackshear, Blackshare. Cause again, you think about the middle of your defense is like a baseball team. You got to have the catcher, the pitcher, the second, uh, for, uh, the center fielder. And it's the same way you got to have the two tackles. You got to have a, a Mike and all of those guys. So you got to try to figure out some different experience uh, and make sure you have somebody like a safety who can see some different things, even though Jam will be back there, um, and be relatively new himself to the position, but he's still a natural playmaker, and I think that's something that will even out that depth chart a little bit.
1: Right. Javon Kinlaw, a guy that's been talked about a ton in this offseason, had had an impact a year ago, um, was able to get down to a reasonable playing way. You know, Will Muschamp has talked about it. He's transformed his body. He's a different kind of player. You're a guy, Langston, again, you played the position in college. You've played the position at the highest level. Talk about what you see from Javon Kinlaw. What type of player do you think he can be?
2: man first of all this guy has a six-pack which is i mean it's just baffling because i'm like is he still I, I i thought it was like a rule somewhere that there's no way you could be over 300 pounds and have a six-pack like that doesn't doesn't work like that you know it's like cats getting wet or something like that but uh, i think javon um is still a guy who's extremely raw but still is a guy who's coming into the it's a it's it's kind of one of those deals where he's coming into um, the all, the, the allness of everything that he can be. And I think it started with the possibility of changing his body and doing the things he needed to do. That was some buy-in uh, the coaches told him he bought into that uh, goes down to the technique, being a leader, but also uh, the biggest thing I like is seeing some of his persona come out because with that, um, I think that'll be give him the confidence to go out there and play and do what he needs to do on the football field. And the more comfortable, I think you are in your skin as a player, just, you know, on, on camera, off camera, um, the more ability you have to go out there and make some plays. But also be a leader for a lot of these guys on the team. So um, the biggest thing for Javon, I think this, he still has a super high ceiling. You know, there's been a lot of talk, of course, of him having, you know, one of those years where he just goes out there and does some things and you get, get a high draft grade and be out of here. Um, again, I think he hears that and he understands that. And I think that's one of his goals and that's nothing to, sh- to shy away from. But the biggest thing is that you you got this new body, this new – toy that you fashioned that you put all this work into make sure you're focusing on everything you need to do to go out there and make plays and not worry about the stats, but just being that overall, uh wrecking ball because javon kenlock can do a whole bunch of things. We've seen him run sideline to sideline and tip passes, uh, you know, run sideline to sideline like an old middle linebacker, uh, penetrate, you know, do some different things. Hopefully he's gotten a little bit better in his one-on-one pass rushing deals because it's kind of tough to figure out how to 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 rush from that that nose technique that knows that interior type spot. And I know for him playing going back and forth, you don't get the you know the best coaching down in junior college, no knock on those guys. Um, but, you know, it's really difficult. You don't only have so much time to work in one technique, nose rushes. So I think Javon has gotten better at that a little bit, but we'll see here uh, shortly because, um, you know, those guys were humming. The entire defensive line looked like they were humming and and working well together, and that's the thing you kind of hope for from a whole defensive line standpoint, that you can kind of get four guys working as one and having some unison, kind of like an offense with a quarterback and a wide receiver, everybody being on the same page.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know everybody's excited to watch him play. You know, I know you as well, including me. I mean, I, I know everybody's fired up to see what Javon can do in 2018. And like you said, they're going to be in four, just four short days, uh, three short days when they get, when this, this gets aired. Uh, South Carolina will kick off against Coastal Carolina on Saturday at noon. Um, links in that game, obviously, you know, for fans' percep- perception, I guess, obviously a game South Carolina has more talent, you know, a game that people feel like they should win. I mean, they are a 29.5 point favorite in Vegas, but. Just talk about a little bit of that game. How does South Carolina avoid any type of letdown game against Coastal Carolina, all due respect? They're not, they're not a team you should take lightly. Um, they've had some really good success at the FCS level. Um, came in here in 2013 in South Carolina. That was one of, obviously, the Gamecocks' better teams. They were able to put a pretty good beat down on them, but I think Coastal was gearing up for the playoffs that year. Uh, they've since moved to FBS. But talk about kind of your keys to that game against Coastal Carolina. How can South Carolina get off to a good start in 2018?
2: Uh, well, well, the big thing is that, you know, you, you know, Coach Muschamp talks about every week being a season. So, I mean, with this week, um, you got to understand you're not going to be at your worst, uh, but you're not going to be at, at your absolute best. And the biggest thing is that you want to try to keep it clean and come out there. And, you know, if you can get it, it's not about style points, but the biggest thing is trying to figure out your identity. You're not going to you're not going to completely write that book uh, in the first week. Uh, Of the season. But what you want to do is try to start to, you know, scribble out some of that outline. So, again, on short yardage situations, putting yourself, making sure you got a lot of ball security, making sure the tackling is sound, try to get yourself into a situation where you're feeling comfortable and playing fast. But again, you can't take this uh, coastal team for granted because, again, they will figure out different ways. Chadwell, you know, being an old uh, low country guy and working down there at Charleston Southern and, and, and doing some different things, he'll spread you out and do put you in certain matchups. And of course, you know, you couple that with first game jitters or, or somebody not being as clear as they need to be on their assignment. And, you know, as my old high school coach used to say, miss misalignment, beat you quicker than a mismatch, so it doesn't matter. You got to make sure you're on your P's and Q's. So um, making sure everybody gets the signals, get the calls, getting your feet in the dirt and playing fast uh, with offense, making sure you're getting some rhythm making sure they're winning on first down, but making sure they're also winning on third down. You know, you hear this talk about folks saying we don't want to see the punter come out there. We want to score and and, and kind of make sure we're imposing our will. We have the better talent. Uh, What I would rather see is that, you know, it's the, again, that old Lou Holtz adage, which is so true, just end every series with a kick. It doesn't matter if it's a field goal. doesn't matter if it's a punt. doesn't matter if it's an extra point. Just make sure you end every series with a kick and everything will be efficient. It'll take care of itself, uh, take care of the football. And then from there, you know, just hopefully you put some good stuff on tape and really get yourself together in the mindset to take on what we know is lurking in the next in the, uh, in the the week two matchup.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing I love about Will Muschamp is he's the kind of guy, he's not going to let South Carolina look ahead to that week two matchup. I think that's one thing that's been clear. South Carolina, in the preseason, they were focused on fall camp, entire camp. They've been focused on Coastal Carolina. And that's, you know, that's definitely one thing I can certainly appreciate about Will Champ, his coaching staff. They keep the guys locked in on the task at hand and uh, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, you know big time storylines surrounding it as far as obviously implementing the new offense, some youngsters on defense. What do they do? Um, Debo back obviously is a big one, so it should be a lot of fun. And again, twelve o'clock noon kickoff. Um, should yeah, be I've a fun yeah the other but,
2: thing too is is the young guys you know with this new uh redshirt rule coming in you know i i expect a whole litany of young guys possibly to i mean they're talking about the spread being 28 points i, I mean i don't i don't know but you know if we get a couple you know touchdowns up you know how how much are we inclined to see maybe a the carry on joiner or a lot of these other guys josh van getting up some rep getting some burn because again it doesn't really you know hurt their status as getting the redshirt so uh just gives them that opportunity to maybe use this as kind of like a a uh, a game or an opportunity for, for the young guys to get uh you know some some of those balls getting caught in the in the lights and, and having everybody scream your name and, and, and feeling what it's like to be out there on that uh on the grass during uh, a Saturday in Williams Bryce.
1: Yep, absolutely. So again you Langston you've been the sideline reporter for South Carolina since two thousand twelve. Uh talk about what's been your favorite part of the job.
2: Uh for me I love, you know, just being in and around the team. Um, you know, <laughs> not having to worry about playing uh but still being you know, as close as I can be or want to be with the players. And and I appreciate that opportunity just to, A, you know, just kind of be on the sideline, but B, just to have access to the team and to the players to, you know, impart my wisdom to to tell them a story, to tell them, you know, know, tighten up or, you know, treat them like my little brother because whether they, they know me, you know, intimately or not, Um, You know, all these dudes were all connected and we're all connected, not just through being, you know, South Carolina guys or being football players. And, you know, a lot of the things that come along with this and, you know, this game is tremendous, tremendous and it's wonderful. And there's a lot to take away from it. But a lot of times guys get used up and allow themselves to get used up. And so being able to be there and showing guys that they can maximize themselves, but also maximize their opportunities on the football field has been really, really cool for me to be around in and around that and to see these guys grow, but also to see the university grow. Um, I kind of get to be like that fly on the wall. And it's really cool to see that in that capacity.
1: Absolutely. Great stuff. All right. Before we let you go, Langston, we got to talk about you're obviously the co-author of the Just a Chicken children's book. You guys travel around to different schools helping kids. Uh, just talk about kind of where that idea came from and things that you guys do overall with the Just a Chicken book.
2: Yeah. Our biggest thing is what we tell my partner, Preston Thorne and I, he was a captain uh, with South Carolina in 2004 and is a phenomenal teacher and educator and co-author with myself. And, uh, you know, we came up with this idea to write a bunch of books and had big aspirations to be kind of like Lou Holtz and write these grand leadership novels. And then we're like, nah, let's write like a kid's book, man. We could do that in like a weekend. It won't take but, you know, maybe, you know, we'll have it done by Sunday and and ready for the next week's game. And obviously having a lot of ignorance, not knowing what we were doing. uh, Three years later, we had the book. Uh, and so through the process, we learned, you know, what it takes to, you know, become published authors and editing and, you know, rewrites and all those different things. So but we use that story in our own story about football and the transition, uh, coming up and being authors uh, to go out to the schools, because we obviously are big proponents of, um, you know, sports. But we always tell kids that, you know, not everybody's going to be inclined to have athletic talent.
1: Uh, absolutely great stuff hey, before we let you go langston we're going to wrap it up let everybody know where they can find you um where they can hear you obviously your sideline reporter for south carolina where they can listen uh and also where they can buy the just a chicken book as well
2: yeah they can uh go online to just the chicken the and uh you know we're always in and around and in and around the schools. so uh you know we're uh you know, there every every day, pretty much. So we have a good time with it. So you know, if they see us, make sure they holler at us. we're always accessible on social media and hashtag? Just the chicken is real easy to catch us on there.
1: Awesome, good stuff. Well, again for Langston Moore, I'm Chris Phillips, and also Thomas Floyd, Coastal Carolina. Saturday at noon. We'll be back next week recapping the game. Appreciate you guys listening. We will catch you next week.